Hello and welcome to Co-OpCast, a podcast about cooperative board games with your hosts, Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly. Hi, I'm Peter and I'm here with Mike. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to episode one of Co-OpCast. Episode one. In this episode, we will be discussing Mansions of Madness. Fantasy Flight's thematic masterpiece. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good place to start, I think. It really is a very thematic experience. So for those who have not played it, uh, this is Mansions of Madness, second edition we are reviewing. I actually never played first edition. Did you play it, Peter? I played it once, but I don't remember much about it, except we didn't play it again after we played it once. <laughs> well, I guess that says something right there. Uh, so yeah, Mansions of Madness, it was a... Uh, a very low-level, zoomed-in uh, Arkham, Arkham Files game from Fantasy Flight. You know, not, not as uh, definitely not as globe-trotting as Eldritch Horror. Even closer, like zoomed in than uh, Arkham Horror. Uh, you'd be in like a single mansion or a single contained space, investigating, trying to solve some mystery. And in first edition, they had a kind of descent-ish, a game master of sorts. I'm not sure what it was called. Uh, who was running the game and would actually have to like seed these cards in different places and would have some choices to make as to which of, I think it was uh, three possible resolutions, was the uh, answer to the actual mystery. Um, and some people uh, were big fans of the game, but at least in the reviews and the comments I've read, and a lot of people fe- felt that the, the Keeper, or whatever it was called, was not a very fun role to play. The scenarios were very tough to design. They were apparently often... Uh, errors in the scenario design, like where a key would be somewhere that nobody could reach it. Uh, so all that being said, Fantasy Flight left the game alone for a little while, and then they came out with Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. And the big change here, big thing I know we're going to discuss later, is that basically the entire game, at least all the keeper side of things, uh, is run by an app now. So uh, the game does require an app. There is literally no way to play without it. And yeah, but the the, the theme stays about the same. It's a uh, small group of uh, heroes, the sort of regular roster of eldritch Arkham horror characters trying to solve some kind of mystery, fight bad guys, discover clues and items, and uh, try to survive. Yeah, and the app really has cleaned things up since first edition. The one thing I remember about first edition is most of the keepers' decisions happened before the game started as they decided where to put items and which rooms to put things in. So it was a long setup process where the the keeper was really doing a lot of things by themselves. And then you're right, then they just kind of ran as an AI for the rest of the game. And if the keeper did mess up in those first couple steps, then it did mess up the whole game. So I think going to the app with the automatic keeper has really changed this game and made it a very different game and a great co-op game. Cool. Well, on that note, do you want to get into some strengths and positives of the design? Sure. What's the first thing that sticks out to you? So the the big thing for me, and I know this is a big one for you too, Oh, j- just for context, by the way, we've played the game, I think I've played it six or seven times playing through four scenarios. What, what are your plays looking like on this, Peter? Yeah, at least that, because I've played it a couple times without you. I know the first time I played it was actually at Gen Con with Chris from the Secret Cabal and our friend Jerry. Um, yeah, I've played it several times solo, and then uh, n- never more than three players for me, and I, I think that's probably a sweet spot. I don't know how much uh, downtime would suffer with uh, four or five players. But yeah, so, so the, the, first, the first big pro that jumps out at me for the game is the, the theme. With the app, you have music playing and like little sound effects and things. And 
you get this narrator to start out the mission, really setting the tone and getting into kind of like the mood of the, uh, you know, HP Lovecraft style story you're about to tell. You have fun little descriptions of pretty much everything, like every painting you look behind, every item you discover, flavor text on the cards. You know, the enemies attacking you is not just, you know, a simple two damage, three damage, but it describes the, the tendrils of the tentacles shooting out and, and grasping your leg or the, the knife scratching along your back. So, yeah, I, I think the theme in this is excellent. It, it reminds me more of uh, what I might get playing a, a tabletop RPG game with a good uh, dungeon master explaining everything in detail than uh, even what I usually get with a little bit of flavor text on uh, like Arkham Horror cards and that kind of thing. No, I totally agree. When I pulled this game out for my neighbors, and I haven't played it with them yet, I just opened up the app, and the sound of the crows coming out at the beginning and the music that was playing in the background was enough to hook them and make them want to get into the game. Now, we haven't played a game of it yet because I didn't feel comfortable running it at that time, although we'll talk about that as another pro. I mean, this game is so easy to get into. I had never run a game before today. When I wanted to set it up, that's why I wanted to set it up and solo it, was just to get the feel of how long it takes to set up, how hard it is to figure out what the actions are and things. I've played it before, but I've always had somebody guiding me through. But it was so easy to set up by myself without having really done it before. I mean, it took me five minutes to get into the game, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, setup is incredibly quick, especially compared to with what you said. Uh, I think first edition sounds like it was much slower with the keeper having to preset everything. For those who haven't played, you might put out one or two room tiles, but most of the map is uh, discovered as you go along. So it's very quick. You get a few cards to start that you distribute among your team, which do uh, tend to change from game to game. But yeah, gosh, I mean, I don't know. You're probably set up in, what, five or ten minutes max? Yeah, exactly. And the great part is the app guides you through everything. It tells you exactly what items to pull out of the decks. It tells you which decks they're in. You only have six decks for the game. For such a thematic experience, it is a pretty small number of decks of cards. Definitely not nearly as crazy as... I keep on going to this one just because it's another one of the Arkham games we play a lot, but not nearly as many decks as Eldritch Horror, which I need like a huge card organizer to really play in a, uh, in a, in a quick and efficient fashion. Yeah, we have two baggies full of cards, and that was it. But you still get a, a nice surprising amount of variety from game to game with that small number of cards because the app and the scenarios are doing so much different from game to game. Uh, another pro for me, and, and it, it jumps off right up what you were just saying and thinking about playing with your neighbors, is how incredibly quick this is to teach, right? I mean, you, you just played. How many actions do you really have to explain to a new player right off the bat? Maybe two or three? Yeah, I mean, really, you move. If there's a creature on the same place as you, you can attack it. Otherwise, you're just interacting with the app. There are little tokens that are on the board that tells you where you can interact. And this gets back to the theme, too. When you click on those tokens, it gives you a thematic explanation of what the token is, so you can decide whether you want to interact with it or not. Yeah, and, and I love kind of uh, also with uh, the graphics of the game. I love how like the clues will be on things that you can see on the tiles. So it'll say, like, hey, this painting is of this. And if you look, there is a painting actually depicted on the wall of that room, you know, or there's something on this table, and it's actually on a table. So the, the artwork of the tiles, which is very nice and clear from a kind of bird's-eye overhead perspective, goes right along with the, the actual thematic stuff that you're doing within the app with your investigations. Yeah, and even the tokens themselves, they'll have tokens of some of the people that you'll interact with. 
And if it's one of the main characters, somebody you know about, it's a picture of that person. It even has their name on the back of it. But if it's a kid popping out in the corner, you don't know who it is. They have these like little shadowy tokens that serve the same purpose, which is kind of neat. Yeah, definitely. So another pro for me, besides the uh, the theme, the ease of setup, is also that the gameplay is quick and there's very little downtime. I mean, a player turn is... I guess, I guess the longest turn would probably be when you're like trying to solve a puzzle. That's the only thing that takes a little while, and even that is rarely more than a minute. But most turns are, I don't know, gosh, as long as maybe like 20 or 30 seconds. You move a little bit, touch something on the app, read a little bit, maybe make a choice, and that's it. Yeah, and to be honest, even with those puzzles, I love watching people do the puzzles. What's another pro for you, Peter? I think it keeps coming back to theme. You know, the theme in this game bleeds and drips. That's that's appropriate wording for a uh, HP Lovecraft-themed game. <laughs> Absolutely, but I do think that leads us right into the con section, unless you have more well, pros. Yeah, I, I think I have a few more. Um, I do want to say that... So this is kind of a pro and a con for me, but I want to address it. I, I do like the variety each time you uh, you play a scenario. From from what we've seen, there seem to be maybe two main setups for each scenario F, uh, Fantasy Flight's done so far. Yeah, and I think it depends on the scenario and it depends what expansions you've picked up. So you tell you tell the app what you own and it will create a scenario based on that. But I do think it's limited. It's not something like the video game Diablo where every time you play it, it's a whole new setup. Really, it's the same basic premises, but there may be two or three variants in the story. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I've, I've played the uh, the Gathering, or not, not the Gathering, I'm thinking of uh, Arkham Horror LCG. But I played whatever the initial scenario is called probably three or four times now. And even you know, I've gotten two different main map setups, but even when I haven't had the even when I've had the same map setup, I've still gotten different items and some different enemies. I guess that's because uh Jerry, who's copy we've been we've been playing, uh has some of the like monster expansions and things. But yeah, so so I do the variety so this is kind of a pro and a con. The variety is pretty good. But I can't really see myself... I'm, I'm definitely not having as much fun playing a scenario the third time, except for me seeing the other people experience it. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's one thing that, that's pretty cool, is when you do take somebody else through it, just like with any co-op game, if you've played a scenario before, especially these scenario-based ones, you let the other people take the sure. lead. You just ride along for the story, and the story is pretty cool watching other people experience it for the first yes. time. Yes, yeah, so that's another pro. Like, it's it's fun to work through a story with people. And, you know, I'd almost compare it to uh, to something like Time Stories or even going back further, uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Cont- Detective. These are games that really have, you know, Mansions of Madness has more replay value than those. But those are games that have basically zero replay value, except that I still enjoy running through it with a new player and seeing them react. I... I get off on the experience of sharing that story with somebody, regardless of whether or not it's a new story to me. It's kind of like reading, you know, you ever read a novel or show somebody a movie you really enjoy? I I think games like this and Mansions of Madness has this, have that same kind of experience. Like, it's fun to watch somebody else go through something you know well. Yeah, and again, I do think this leads us perfectly into the cons. So I'm going to start with, I do think it's a missed opportunity not having more replayability in each of the missions. You know, you're paying $85 for five or six missions. And to be honest, with the length of game that I like to play, that 60 to 90 minute game, there's literally only one scenario that's at length, and that's the intro scenario. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know like when we went through the Dunwich scenario, 
no, the Innsmouth scenario. I'm sorry, the one with uh, um, the one that you and Jerry played uh, and me. Yeah, I mean that one was God like three or four hours, and it was it was fun and exciting. Don't get me wrong, but for the amount of like decision making, I do I do think the length is a little bit off, and I agree that there's not enough variety within the scenarios. You you aren't getting a ton of gameplay out of the box, and like you said, it's a super expensive. Well, not super expensive, but it's a pretty expensive game for what you're getting. And the other thing, and this is my comment the first time I played it, and the more I've played it, the more I've gotten into it, but I still feel to some degree it feels like you're playing a movie rather than playing a game. What I mean by that is you have limited decisions. The decisions are kind of pointed out to you on the map. It's like, oh, here's a question mark. Here's a that. And the, especially when you're new to the game, you want to go interact with all those things. At least I do. And so I feel like I didn't have a lot of choice. Now, as I played tonight, I did skip a lot of those things. But I feel like, especially your first time playing, you just want to touch and diddle with everything on the board. And so it really didn't feel like a lot of choices. It felt like the game was kind of guiding you through the story. Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I will say that I think the first scenario gives you kind of more time to explore. But some of the other scenarios I've played, including solo scenarios, they, they do... You don't realize it necessarily the first time you play it, but you are really in a bad way strategically. And sometimes like, you miss opportunities or face a much tougher foe if you like take that completionist explore-everything route. And I, I do think the game is better. I still agree with you it's a con, but I think the game is better when you... Use some intelligence in where you explore. Like, explore the things that seem like they might have something and, like, skip the random stack of papers that probably is meaningless. Because I think, number one, that makes the game more varied because since they change, like, even in the same map, the item you need might be here one game and there another game. Um, so if you're not exploring everything, you're actually going to see different stuff from game to game, whereas if you take the time to explore, like, every single question mark, regardless of how they've shifted it around, you're going to see the same stuff. So I think the game is at its best, and it also cuts down on the playtime. When you try to rush a little bit, and really, you know, imagine you're in a death-defying situation where you don't have time to dig through every single book and overturn every single, you know, piece of furniture. No, I, I totally agree with that, although sometimes I think it's better at guiding you in which way to go than other times. And even if you do, let's say, skip a lot of those random papers on the floor... Does it change the fact that you're really not making a lot of decisions anyway, then? It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to skip the papers on the floor. I mean, and the big game I compare this to is Arkham Horror LCG, which we've played the heck out of. And I do think this kind of goes into the cons we've discussed. I think Arkham, uh, the LCG, kind of defeats Mansions of Madness on most counts for me. I think think the theme in Mansions of Madness is more zoomed in, and that's kind of cool. You know, like when I explore, I get a description of exactly what I'm just exploring, in Arkham LCG, I'm just picking up a clue token because I made a, you know made my skill check. But besides that, I think the stories are as compelling in Arkham Horror LCG, even though they lack the same level of detail. And you get the whole campaign structure, which I think it becomes way more interesting than just a single story told well. And then also, the, the thing you were just saying, the kind about choices, Arkham Horror LCG, because it has the whole like you know card management and card play element, I think has a ton of choices. Whereas Mansions of Madness, you know, yeah, I I agree. I think the game is kind of playing you, and you're just kind of rolling dice to go along with it to an extent. Right, but I will say because of that, and because it's rules light, it does get you into the theme. And I mean, it goes right back to the pro. That's why I still love this game, despite these cons we're talking about. I still would recommend, and its price, I would still recommend picking it up. Because I do think it is a good introduction to the universe, and I do feel like it is 
even more so than Arkham, because I don't always know the story when we're doing Arkham Horror living card game for whatever reason, it's harder for me to follow, but you're almost living it and breathing it in Mansions of Madness. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I agree with you. It's odd. Mansions of Madness is kind of the, the best intro game to the Arkham Files series. In a way, I think it's even easier than like Elder Signs. But it's unfortunate that that is attached to a game that is so expensive and so huge. You know what I mean? Like, right. I cannot teach a complete neophyte to gaming Arkham Horror LCG very easily because if they don't understand, you know, card games and the idea of like spending actions and paying resources and all this kind of stuff and card draw, it's going to be a much harder teach for them. But Mansions of Madness, I can just plop down. Like you said, they're into the app. They hear the music. They hear like the, the ambiance is grabbing them. The actions are incredibly simple to understand. It's pretty much all laid out for you, and they're in the game immediately. So it's it's such a huge pro. I agree with you as well. I, I still like to play the game. Well, let's get into price. I mean, I think they could have cut the price, and I know you agree with this, by getting rid oh of the miniatures. Gosh, yeah, so I, I know this is less of a con for you, but yeah, if you haven't seen, they have pretty miniatures for most of them. I, I think the, the large monsters are beautiful. But not only are they at least for me, not necessary for the gameplay. I think they actually get in the way of the gameplay because you need to... to I forget, are you, are you picking them up to see their, their like stats underneath them? Or is it is it visible from the top? No, it's visible from the top, although sometimes their limbs will cover up the spot with a number you need to see, so you will need to pick it up and, and maneuver it. Yeah, it actually like limits... And first of all, there, there are usually aren't very many monsters on the board, so it's not like you're dealing with you know 20 monsters at a time. But for the few monsters who are on the board, it's kind of hard to see like what their stats are. And w- what I've suggested, and I, I know I've played this way solo, I just leave the miniatures out and just put the little square monster stats right on the board. And it makes the playability way better. And it's just kind of funny because, yeah, like, like you were saying, what makes the box so huge, so heavy, so hard to store? Because we really don't know how to store this game, right? We just kind of leave all the miniatures thrown in there. Are, are these miniatures? And yes, I know it's it's some nice bling. Uh, by the way, we, we haven't done too many episodes, so I'll just tell you guys right now, I'm less of a miniature guy than uh, Peter is. Um, I'm, not, I'm really not blown away or impressed by miniatures that much generally. I'm more about the, uh, the pre-or gameplay. But yeah, I mean, these miniatures, I feel like, get in the way, and the game plays faster, is easier to play, and clearly would have cost a lot less if they didn't have those miniatures in there. Well, and they have beautiful art on the tokens. I mean, those tokens are fine for gameplay. I wouldn't have a problem if the base game came with those. And if you want miniatures, go ahead and buy a miniature add-on pack. I think most people would do it anyway, but it would decrease the cost, get people into the game faster. And to be honest, it would be easier to search through sometimes when you're looking for the right yeah, monster I mean, so, as well. Some of those tentacled things all look alike, and it's like trying to find the exact thing they meant for it. Yeah. And we can get into miniatures in another design discussion, I think, because that, that will, I mean, that'll go down a whole rabbit hole. Well, yeah, so, so back to the app, there is a con with the app. And as we said, first edition had the same con with cards. So it's not like this is uh, exclusive to the app, but... This, is, this was a known issue that was on the forums, but we had not seen it, that uh, Innsmouth scenario we played had a bug where you literally could not finish it. And it's been corrected since then, and I, I haven't heard about any other scenarios being buggy. So this is a small issue, but it's something to consider with app games. We can get into that more with our discussion in a little bit. But yeah, so we, we played the scenario for three to four hours. We're within a couple of turns of the ending and literally could not finish. The app just froze. You know, I, I guess we could have sort of, like, faked our way through repeating, but there's so much stuff you click on and so many things you find, you can't really, like, get back to where you were. We just basically lost, with very little resolution, three to four hours of game time. Yeah, 
And there is no back button. That's another yeah. thing. Like, why is there no back button? Undo an action you just did. And so there, it's not as much of a problem as it sounds like because you can kind of skip through the enemy phase and the enemy doesn't, or the, the app doesn't have any knowledge of where the enemies are on the board. So if you just skip doing the enemy resolution, you can do that and kind of skip ahead and skip back. And But if they're keeping track of time the way you said then that is messing with the the timing of the game as well if you're doing that and there's literally no back button. Yeah, so I I think they've addressed like the bigger issue of the bugs for now, but it's just something to consider with apps. Clearly, there can always be computer glitches and those kind of things. So Let's get to our final impressions. I mean, Mike, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, so so I would say uh, it's a great thematic experience. If you're going looking for meaty gameplay, it's not there. So lower your expectations on that count. But um, if you want, if you're into the Lovecraft theme, I'm a, I love that. I've read all of Lovecraft stories pretty much, and, and some of the other authors who work in the same universe. Um, if you're into that theme, it's a great entry level to the theme. Uh, you're gonna feel like you're playing a movie. It's lots of fun, really thematic. You can play with just about anybody, and they'll get into it. I played it with my four year old, and he understood what he could do with his actions. So a lot of fun to be had here. Just don't expect a lot of meat on the bones and don't expect a ton of variety. You're probably going to get nine or ten quality plays out of the base set. And then you got to get expansions or start repeating some stuff. Yeah. And my thoughts are very similar. The one, again, negative for me is there's only that one short mission. So as you are introducing it to new people, you're really going to be playing that same mission over and over. I wish they had a couple more short missions and maybe they do now, you know, because I know they have downloadable content. Again, another pro of apps. Um, and they have other expansions that we don't have yet because we haven't played through all the base game stuff. But I do think that is it is a great way to introduce new gamers to a new universe. And even if they don't like Cthulhu, the first mission that you're going to be playing with them is really a haunted house scenario. Yes, it gets into cultists and they're they're doing things, but really anybody could play this even if they weren't a fan of Cthulhu and just view it as a haunted house scenario. Yeah, and I guess that is a quick caution just for players who are interested. I mean, this is true of any Arkham Files game, but if you're not, uh, you know, comfortable with the occult and supernatural elements and things that seem, uh, you know, a little (laughs) unreligious, this game is probably not for you um, or any of the games in the Arkham Files. They all deal with that same kind of like dark supernatural things uh, man was not meant to know kind of uh, themes in there. Cool. Well, let's get to our design discussion. I know we've kind of touched on this throughout, but what are your thoughts on apps? Not only apps in this game, but apps going into the future for co-ops. Well, yeah, so I wanted to share a few experiences I've had with other apps just to kind of broaden the discussion a bit. Sure. So I'll bring in a few key ones. Besides uh, Mansions of Madness, which again is entirely tied to the app, I played around with uh, the, and also from Fantasy Flight, the uh, Descent solo play app, which uses kind of similar uh, enemy mechanics and things to the Mansions of Madness app. Uh, For Galaxy Defenders, I use a, uh, this is a a co-op space kind of tactical combat game uh, from Ares Games. Uh, for Galaxy Defenders, I use a uh, sort of unofficial like website-based app that uh, runs all of the event cards for me and basically handles like three or four of the uh, the card decks completely and sets up the scenarios like cards for you. Space Alert, one of my favorite co-ops, uh, uses a CD track, but I've used some apps that kind of like modify the cd track I, I used one for a while that would automate all of your actions like you would input them and the app would kind of play them out for you so i have a fair number number of experiences what about you peter what other apps were you thinking before we discuss like the 
the goods and the bads? Yeah, I mean, I've played most of what you've talked about. I've also played a game that isn't published yet, an unpublished game that I thought did a great job of using an app. And I really do think that that's going to lead my discussion or, or where I go with this discussion as far as what I think the future of apps could be, because I've kind of seen a little bit of it. And the possibilities, I think, are greater than what we've seen so far. So just to kind of start off some of the pros, one of the, the things that I appreciate most in apps is taking away the fiddliness of dealing with card decks. I think uh, games that can do that, it's amazing. Like if I had an app for Eldritch Horror that automated all 20 or more of those decks, except for like the items that I need to actually have in front of my character and see in front of my character, that would be fabulous. I think there might be an official FFG app for Arkham Horror that has all of like the card decks in it. And what a great idea. I mean, playing Galaxy Defenders with the app and without the app, night and day difference. Setup with the app is like five minutes. Without the app, to set it up for the individual scenario, probably 20 minutes. Playing with the app is is God. I mean, like a turn is is a good like several minutes shorter. It just simplifies like the the fiddly nature of dealing with big card decks in these thematic games, especially where you have tons of decks to like represent several game elements. It, it's fabulous for that. One of the things that's really cool is that it does simplify the game, and that's what we were talking about here with Mansions of Madness. It makes the game easier to play. Playability goes up tremendously, as well as taking less table space. You know, it takes up so much less space, and the setup time is reduced because you're not shuffling 100 decks of cards. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even apps that don't do much different, like we use the Code Names app and we play Code Names instead of using like the little cards to show where the, the red team and the blue team's cards are. It's convenient. It's, it feels fun to like have something right in front of you you can interact with. So I like apps for that. And I personally don't like Alchemist as a game, but I think the cool things they did with the app in that game, like having hidden information and that kind of stuff, um, or like information known to one player and not to another, I, I think that's cool to explore. I just didn't like... Uh, you know, the, the app was not my problem with the game uh, with Alchemist. There were other things there. That's the other thing I wanted to say is the difference between Mansions of Madness and even Gloomhaven, which I love, is Gloomhaven, as hard as you try, when you're looking through that book, you can see what's in the rooms coming up. And with something like Mansions of Madness, I love that hidden what's behind the door feeling. Yeah, you know, we didn't talk about that in the pros, but apps, apps allow the greatest level of exploration in these thematic, like, dungeon crawl kind of games. You have more exploration in Mansions of Madness than any other dungeon crawl I've ever seen, unless, and this is the big thing, you have a dungeon master or a game master setting things up for you. But apps allow you, th th those roles in general tend to be the most boring and, like, kind of the least fun. Not always, some games handle it better, but that's my experience, and an app takes away that boring role and automates it. Yeah, and for co-op games, you can change the difficulty by, you know, flipping a button on the app. You can change what's in each room. You can add to the variety. You can add to the replayability. You can add to the excitement level. And so I think there are a lot of pros here for the future using apps. And especially specifically for co-op games, which is what we're mainly discussing here. Because co-op games, by their nature, tend, you know, especially in the thematic categories, tend to have... AI-controlled things, and we know, I mean, this is just an obvious thing, we know that computer games and, like, real-time strategy games and things have AI that is a billion times better than anything that you're going to have in a uh, in a board game or a card game. 
Well, yeah, if you have a deck of cards that's determining an outcome, you know, you have to determine how many cards you want in that deck of cards, and there is going to be a limit. Whereas for the app, you can update those. You can surprise people with new events that come through with an update. There's one of the biggest problems with board games, as we know also, is if you make a mistake, there's not an easy way to fix it. If all the cards are in your app, though, you can update those cards. So if there was a misprint or if something wasn't clear enough, you can easily update the app to make the experience better for your end user. Now, let me ask you, Peter, I, I'm sure you've seen in the forums uh, the, the common complaints about apps. So let me just run through them and see if you can add any. People worry that it might become obsolete, like the platform is not supported anymore or that app is no longer available or isn't being updated. So suddenly you can't play the game anymore because the app is not where it's supposed to be. You also have uh, an argument frequently made that board games should be board games, video games should be video games, and you're like kind of trotting upon the purity of the game experience or something along those lines. Uh, do you find either of those arguments compelling? Do they Do they influence your decisions on these games at all? The one about not being updated and not being kept up is a little bit of a worry for me. You know, if, if somebody stops supporting an app and it just goes away, unless I've saved it, which I tend to delete a lot of things or you get a new phone or whatever else, and you have no access to that anymore, I do think the community will rally if something like that happened and update the app, but you gotta hope that the game is popular, right? If it's a game nobody cares about, then nobody's gonna keep that app up to date. So I worry more about that one. The board game to be a board game thing, I have not experienced that at all with Mansions of Madness. It feels like every other game I've played, I didn't have a problem with it either. Uh, I really do feel like as long as the majority of the actions on the board and you're using the app to simplify and speed up, I mean, there's no difference to me between clicking a button on an app or drawing a card. You know, I will say if, uh, if Mansions of Madness had forced us to enter our movements in the app and like put where the monsters were and put where we were and kind of like keep track of that stuff... I would have a different answer. An app like that does that, where the where the app just becomes the game, you don't even need the board, that that would not be good for me. But Mansions of Madness made the choice, like, they, they do their enemy AI, it's like a script that you follow that's pretty simple. But yeah, so I've never felt like I was kind of awkwardly having to, like, put stuff into the app. It doesn't care where I am, I could theoretically cheat and teleport and just say that I'm over here now exploring this place. So yeah, it definitely keeps it really focused on the the board and the app is just kind of presenting options and handling the random encounters and like items that you're drawing. And I think that's what an app does best. I don't think it should be used, as you said, for board movement and things like that. You need something to keep you engaged with the board in the game. And the app needs to be just like drawing a card or something else, a random event uh, or to keep hidden information hidden. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I, I'm excited about where apps are going. Um, I'd like to see them used in more of these uh, thematic, like, kind of dungeon crawl games. As much as it's feasible, I know that it's not cheap to develop an app that is effective or presented well, and that's the kind of apps we want to see. So I'm not expecting, like, little publishers to be coming out with apps for all their games. But, uh, you know, I mean, Ren Renegade had a companion app for uh, Clank that had some cool features added to it. And they're not a gigantic publisher, so if they can do it, i got to imagine that it's becoming more feasible for uh, for companies in general to do it, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's going to be 
very much publisher dependent. I think the bigger publishers are going to have more of an advantage in this arena, not only from the money to be able to develop the apps, but also being able to trust that the app's going to be there in five to 10 years. I'm not worried about Fantasy Flight app not being available. I am worried if it's a publisher I'd never heard of before, whether that app will be supported five or 10 years down the road. Sure. And then the other thing I think is an exciting opportunity for the future. And I don't think that Mansions of Madness does this as well as I would like it to, but we see it a little bit in Arkham Horror is a branching story arc where you have different resolutions at the end. You're not being guided. And I know there is a little bit of branching story arc with Mansions of Madness, Um, not to spoil anything, but we did have a situation happen when we did or didn't do something in one of our missions that led to certainly a different outcome than had we done something. But I think there's more opportunity for more of that. I really think you could go 180 on how the story ends based on your actions. And I think that can be implemented more and more as these apps get more and more powerful and as really the technology gets developed as well as people get experience with them and start making them more. I think they'll become better at developing them as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited for that. I would love to see a game like Arkham Horror LCG with a campaign element be, you know, app implemented to keep track of some of the campaign stuff to help you really have like a, a player crafted experience from campaign to campaign. Um, that'd be amazing. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think we've had a great discussion. That about wraps it up. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next time on Co-opcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Co-OpCast. We'll be back in two weeks to discuss another great cooperative board game. Until then, please review us on iTunes and feel free to follow us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Before we get to the outtakes, I just want to take a quick second to plug a Kickstarter that we currently have running for Dark Dealings, Dwarven Delve. Not going to make this a regular occurrence, but did want to cover it this week. Dark Dealings is not a cooperative game, although we have an official cooperative variant up on Board Game Geek, so check that out. And now to your outtakes. One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how excited we are about clapping near the same time, not even at the same time. All right, ready? Yep. Microphone check, mic- microphone checker, microphone check, mic- microphone checker.